This is the Let's Get Real Estate Show with your host, Danielle Chason. Full-time investor, strategic consultant, motivational coach, sought-after speaker, and host of your number one real estate investing show, Let's Get Real Estate, where real people are doing real estate. Hey, everybody. It's Danielle Chason here. Welcome back to the Let's Get Real Estate podcast. This is where I bring to you real people doing real estate, and today... I have Corey McKinnon whoop, whoop, from London, Ontario. Corey, how are you, my friend? I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me on today. I'm super excited to have you on board uh, because I know you have been rocking it in real estate. And more importantly, what I love is you're giving back by education, teaching, and coaching everybody. Uh, well, everybody, people that are seeking you out. And you've got Without advertising, without going out there and marketing for um, coaching, you've got a, a solid coaching uh, program out there with other coaches that you have working with you. And uh, anyway, I just I, I love how you just quietly give back and help others. So I am super stoked to have you on the show. Thanks again for coming on. Uh, for those of you who don't know Corey, he lives in the London area. He's got four kids, been in real estate for, well, as long as you've been on your own pretty much. Hey, Corey? Yeah, about 15 years now. Yeah. So um, you have an interesting story to share uh, before we get into like the whole real estate stuff, why don't you tell the audience a little bit, a little bit about Corey McKinnon? Sure. So I'm uh, I'm one of four kids, I'm actually born in Sarnia, Ontario, and you know single single income family. So sometimes people hear about us real estate investors and they see what we're doing now. You know, I, I literally just I'm 46 years old. I bought a Porsche about a month ago, and they see that, but they don't realize what it was like. You know, in the beginning, right? So. Um, I remember being, you know, we, we grew up in a pretty, you know, well-to-do neighborhood, except my house was on the other side of the street from the well-to-do neighborhood. You know, my, my parents used to go shop at Byway. We used to get hand-me-downs from my cousins. My mom used to like literally make our clothes. Right. So I kind of stood out in my, uh, in my class where this is when like Air Jordans were coming out and Nikes and all this sort of stuff. We just couldn't afford it. And my parents always said, look, we'll always provide you the basics, but if you want anything more, you got to provide the difference and the gap there. Um, you know, so I started working at a young age and one of my, one of my good friends, his dad was a, was a realtor. And I remember going through one of my first properties when I was 17, a triplex, I had no idea how I was going to buy it. Um, you know, and then one of my first real corporate kind of jobs when I was in my late teens, early twenties was student works painting. I ran the area franchise and my boss was house, uh, house hacking a duplex back then. There wasn't even really a name for it. You're just trying to be you know, frugal and live like a student as long as you could. Um, so that just exposed me to what was possible. And uh, then when I was like mid to late 20s, I, I bought my first sixplex for my landlord. So really cool experience. I was able to mentor under under him for a couple of years, but it was always just tailgate meetings, little snippets here and there. I took him out to breakfast once or twice. And there was no YouTube back then. Like literally you had the white pages and the yellow pages and the connections that you made through having conversations, which I think it's just an underrated skill, being able to talk to people and network and say, Hey, I'm looking for this person or that person, or who do I, who do you know that I should know those kinds of conversations. Right. So, um, but it's, it's been, it's been a great journey and now was able to retire almost 10 years ago from corporate. And I just want to help other people. Right. Cause if I buy another duplex, it doesn't change my life that much. Danielle, same with you as well. But if I can teach somebody else how to do it, I just love seeing the lights go on. I love seeing them make the progress. 
in the real estate and financial journey. So that's my, really my mission in life. Like I, I'm here to give and, you know, prove me otherwise, go, go search the internet and try to try to see other things that I'm doing that I'm not giving back. Yeah. And just help others succeed. Really. Um, it's really an interesting thing. The position that we have, you know, as, as coaches and consultants is that you get to have a front row seat to seeing somebody's success and you play a small part. You don't do the work. They do the work. We just kind of guide them. Right. And so give them the tools that they need, but it is really fulfilling to just be on that journey with them. So I can, I can really appreciate that. Um, so tell me, I mean, you, I mean, talk about when you were, you know, when you were getting just snippets here and there, you had the landlord. So you bought your first property, which was a property that you were renting in. I think you had told me four years you were renting that property before you bought it. It was a sixplex, which, you know, was back in the day, just the thought of somebody not buying their principal home first and then moving into like a multi-unit, you went straight into a multi-unit, but you had that landlord to live from. Back then, I remember we didn't even have the internet. Like the internet was like ICQ. That was like our big chat room back then. Like there really was no yeah. data. And we had that guy, uh, what was his name that was selling those books, those tele books or whatever. I can't, um, Carlton sheets. He was the real estate guy back yeah. in the day. And, uh, oh, I'm aging myself. That's terrible. But anyway, yeah, like back in the day we had nothing. Tom, Tommy Drew and, uh, you know, Russ, Russ Whitney and everything. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. so like how beneficial was it for you to have that landlord to, to learn from? And, you know, I, I'm sure he just didn't give it out for free. I'm sure you had to kind of pull a little bit to learn what you could from him. No, he didn't. And he wasn't really a super spoken guy. Uh, his name's Mark. Um, great guy. And, but, you know, we learn, you can also learn a lot by modeling, right? Just by looking at what other people are doing, like looking at what portfolio things he was buying. So I know he would always go for better build construction, right? So if he had a chance to buy a building that was brick or stucco versus, you know, something that was wood siding or vinyl siding, he would prefer to go with brick and, you know, always had to have parking and always had to have good layouts in the units or he would change the layouts around. So it wasn't really Frankenstein. And, you know, people used to build houses really boxy, right? Like this is your living room. This is your kitchen. This is whatever. Um, so just learning some of those basic things. And at the end of the day, I think people overthink things. I've overthunk things too at some, at certain points, you know, at the end of the day, if it's, if it's a good property and you can see the upside, then go put in the offer, right? I literally just put an offer in last night on a, on a storage facility. So I've been looking for a storage facility for a while. Finally found one off market that the numbers made sense, buying it at a six cap. And then it's going to, we're going to lift it up to almost a 10 cap. So. Wow. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah, that's amazing. I think um, I think you're. I learned a lot with what you're saying by watching other people and and learning from the mistakes they made. So there's a lot of people that will talk about the mistakes that they've made along the way and what they would do different. And I think if if you go to networking events and you have those conversations and say, well, what did you learn? What mistakes have you made? What would you do do different? I think uh, there's a lot to be had there. Um, here's an interesting thing, Corey. You. So you went into, you bought your first multi, you went to school, bought your first multi in your mid twenties, you were building a career. I know you've been with your wife forever. You were with your wife back then, didn't have the kids. And then you built your real estate portfolio and followed by a coaching business while you're building your family. And that's not easy. Like your youngest is two and a half. Like your kids are all really young and going through a pandemic by the way, with four kids at home, 
young children, like I can't, God bless your wife. That's all I have to say about that. But how do you, how do you balance your life? Cause there's a lot of people that are in the same boat. They want to get into real estate. They have a job because you had, you had your corporate job while you were transitioning. You were building your family. You're managing these properties. All of this as a side hustle. What would you say, like, what was the biggest thing that you did in your life in order to accommodate all of that and, and to, to be able to make it happen? Sure. I guess when I was working in corporate, so I was fortunate enough to find a company where it was heavily results focused. It was sales focused, results focused. So if you had a, a target to go hit, let's say if you were supposed to bring in a million and a half dollars worth of revenue, they didn't really like micromanage you. You know, my, my former boss um, or business partner, Chris Thompson, you know, it was always more about the result, right? So if you're hitting the result and all your targets and all your numbers and still putting in really good efforts, they didn't want you grinding yourself into oblivion. Um, they, they did want to make sure you're sharpening the saw and we always had corporate retreats and things like that. And there's just certain times of the year where, man, it's a, it's a big push for two weeks. We just got to go launch everybody or we got to do this or, you know, do a big recruiting focus. But otherwise, like, you know, that's kind of like how life works, right? It's ebbs and flows. So I was fortunate to have a position like that where I could go and take some time away and, and make some real estate pushes here and there. So I would recommend, you know, if people feel like you're in a day job where you're just too micromanaged, you're just being ground and ground every day, go try to get something, another skill under your belt, like sales, right? You can literally write your own paycheck if you're into anything that involves sales and negotiation. Um, it can be scary at first because it's a large amount of your, your income would rely on that. But, you know, sometimes there is no better option than when you don't have any other options. Your back is up against the wall and you got to get better at something. So there was that. I was used to hiring people, right? That was like, I was like an HR specialist. So for me, whenever I feel like my plate is getting too full, I just ask myself, who could be doing this? Like, who could I be delegating to? Who is that Swiss army knife that I need to be hiring to put this stuff on their desk? If I don't enjoy doing it, or if I just have too many things on my desk, that's the first sign that you need to get somebody else in your business. And it's, it's so much easier now. Like the world is almost getting used to VAs, right? Um, I first heard about VAs, uh, back like 15 years ago when, you know, a friend of mine who was in EO young entrepreneurs said, you know what? McDonald's is actually trying a pilot project where when you go to McDonald's, it is not somebody in the store answering, you know, can I take your order? It's actually, they got high speed fiber or whatever. They invest a lot of money to get this going overseas to the Philippines and they're paying that person $2 an hour. Um, so they were experimenting it with the way back down and it just opened my mind to like, wow, if they can do that, why can't I hire someone for $20 an hour to do the returns, to go buy the stuff for the construction project, to let the contractors in, whatever it might be. Um, even just help me out in my own life, right? We've worked with, you know, people that will come in and not really nanny, but just really help out around the house. Just give an extra pair of hands. My parents are older. We had kids older. We got married later. So um, I would highly recommend that people need to bring in help into their business, even if you think you can't afford it or if you can't afford help or a coach or whatever, you actually can't not afford it because you got to look at the lost opportunity costs. There's so much that you'd be missing out on. Um, I think so many people, Daniel, they don't realize that they should spend 80% of their time just doing what their God-given blessed abilities are, right? Instead, we try to do the bookkeeping ourselves. We try to fix things ourselves when like, go, go find the person that just loves those kinds of things, right? Um, so yes, building all these things during COVID was not easy. This was probably one of the biggest challenges of my life, right? Growing children from scratch, um, having a business that's blowing up because everybody wants to learn about investing and real estate and real hard assets during, you know, the times that we've been through. Um, but again, 
we have good systems, good policies in place, a great team, lots of people in our network. Um, and when you when you're building a great business, you actually have the talent rise up from within, which is really cool too. Well, and I think it's really important, you know, when you say good talent rise up from within, I think it's really important to give people the, the freedom and the ability to tap into their own thing. I think a lot of people make the mistake of dictating to others what they should be doing. But when you actually reverse that and say, hey, what are you really good at? What would you do if you had a choice? And I say that, you know, within our team all the time. Like if you had a choice to do whatever you wanted in the corporation, what would it be? And, you know, I think that's a really valuable question to ask because then people are actually enjoying the job that they're doing so then they can get better at it. Right. Um, what would you say is, what would you say is the, um, of all the, cause the, I, we, I get, a, I get asked this a lot. A lot of people want to know this. What would be your first hire? So Corey's out there, he's buying some properties. You got two, three, four properties. Um, and you know, you're kind of scrambling, you're doing a lot of this and a lot of that. And you, you know, it's just kind of all over the map and you're feeling like you need some help. What would you say is the first hire that you should make? Yeah, we just did, we just did a call a couple of weeks ago. Uh, every, every Thursday we, we get all of our students on a zoom call. So we had about, you know, 60 people here and we were talking about just virtual assistants and overwhelmingly the, the first person that people should hire, it's especially if you're newer and you're just trying to find those first couple of deals, it's probably going to be scraping data off the internet or boots on the ground driving for dollars because like you put me in any city in the world and I will show you depressed properties, landlords who aren't managing their properties. Well, it's kind of like we grew up with Sesame street, right? There was like four corners of the screen. One of these kids is doing their own thing. Like you can tell when a landlord doesn't have the money to do the roof or the windows or there's, there's garbage everywhere, people sitting on the porch all day long. I mean, those are the kinds of landlords I joke and I say they should be shot and taken out of their misery, but really why not let someone like us who has, you know, systems and processes in place, go and maximize the potential of that property um, to the marketplace, which is usually the bank because you want to get a, a great refi. But um, I'd say getting, just getting help to generate more lead, especially more lead flow in this kind of a, a market. Like I think we're at absolute all time lows for supply on the market. And you can't just wait around twiddling your thumbs for, you know, more inventory or, you know, if there's only like I literally did a search in Sarnia the other day, there's like three or five, three to five multifamily properties on the market. And most of them don't make sense to make an offer on. So you got to go find stuff off market. And, you know, if you work a full time day job and you got kids, then, you know, there's gladly university kids or whatever they're interested in real estate. And they will uh, they'll, they'll drive for dollars for you. you just got to teach them how for 20 bucks an hour, or 25 bucks an hour. Um, I've mapped out every city that I've ever invested in and you spend a couple thousand dollars, but now you got that data and you can do a lot with it. Um, second person they might want to hire, let's say if they're a little bit further on, they don't have an issue with lead flow. I'd say it'd be some sort of a gopher helper. I don't like to use the word gopher, but you know, your sage or your helper or your, your, your admin or executive assistant or your manager or whatever you want to call them, right? Give them a better term. And you know, it's probably a more sexy job description. Um, but just doing the things that you do, the best use of your time is analyzing deals, negotiating deals and seeing deals before you go firm. So, you know, everything else can, should be delegated or raising money, right? Raising money in joint, joint venture partners is important too. But I can't afford it, Corey. I don't have the money. <laughs> well, Daniel, maybe you need to go and watch the movie, the secret or something like that. No, I'm just kidding. Um, everybody can afford something, right? So people, sometimes people say, I can't, I can't afford any kind of personal development. Well, 
you must have $20. You could buy a book. You know, it was one of the books we reviewed with our students here, Building a Story Brand, which is great. Um, so everybody should have a budget for something. And man, I remember paying for real estate coaching on my credit card. Like you just, people that have a strong vision of the future, usually if, they, if they're thinking, I can't afford it, they're thinking I, I might not be successful, so I just don't want to invest in myself, right? Whenever I've invested in myself, and I'm sure you've invested in yourself, it's not just a 10 times return. When I do the math, it's usually like a 30 time return. Um, you know, I've, I've invested like over $300,000 in my personal development, um, got to sit down and be front row with some of the biggest people in the world, uh, including Tony Robbins and you name it, Dean Graziosi and stuff like that. It's always given me a return. Um, exponentially. So when people can see that vision and what's possible, maybe they just need to have a bit of a visionary type of a call or start hanging around with different people that have stronger visions, then they'll be like, you know what, I'll, I'll go ask, like, I'll do whatever it takes, right? Same with my first sixplex. I did not have the down payment. <laughs> I didn't want to pay the big CMHC fees. I needed $106,000. I had about 70, 60 or 70. I said, well, what am I great at, right? I'm good at influence and sales negotiation. I approached the owner of the company and said, look, I actually, I'd loaned him money before in the past for like a 10% return. I said, Hey, I've been very good to you over the years. Can you help me out this time? Right. I'm asking for a three month advance on my commissions. All the sales are already there. I've got a five year track record. We've never not hit our targets. Could you give me an advance? He did. I uh, didn't give me the whole thing. And then, you know, I used some of my RSPs. Um, my, my girlfriend or fiance at the time, she lent me a little bit of money. So you, you just, I say beg, borrow, steal, but you know, we're not going to do anything unethical. You just got to be more resourceful when it, if it comes to putting things together. So I think just people saying they can't afford it, it's just limited thinking. And, you know, if money wasn't an issue, sometimes I say if money wasn't an issue, then what is the issue? Let's just assume you did have the money because we can make We can work with most people on those kinds of things, payment plans or whatever. Um, what, what's the real, there's usually something deeper. There's usually something under, under the surface there. Yeah. And I just want to come back to what you said, like, you know, when you've invested in yourself, you've seen it come back, you know, upwards of 30 times the investment that you did. And I think that, uh, uh, you know, I'm writing a book right now and the whole pretext of the book is stop thinking like a consumer and stop, start thinking like an investor. And so like people look at maybe your program and say that they're buying your program. If you have that consumer mindset, if you don't look at it as an investment, if you're just buying it, once you've received it, the transaction is complete. But if you look at it as an investment, then you're going to follow through. And how is that investment investment serving you? And how is it doing? How is it producing? I think that's when our mindset shifts a little bit, right? So, and also the other thing is, is that I, I think there's a lot of people that they realize if they invest in themselves and there's work to be done behind that. You know, you can go buy a coaching program all you want, but if you don't do the work, you're not going to get the returns. It's just not going to come back. Um, so I think that's the biggest difference. So for those of you who are listening, you know, if you're going to go get some coaching from Corey, by the way, I also know Corey's very selective about who he works with. And so you have to be motivated and driven and willing to do the work in order to qualify for Corey's program. Um, you do have... A... Right, you got to keep up. I used to be a national <laughs> level athlete, guys. So you got to be able to keep up with what we're doing here. I love that. <laughs> Oh, you're just going to intimidate people. I'm intimidated. <laughs> I'm not an athlete. Hang on. How am I going to keep up to you? My goodness. Um, but yeah, you know, ultimately that's what it boils down to. But I think what's more indicative of that is people 
and this is where, where your forte is. This is where you get really good. I think it's indicative when people say, but I don't have the money, Corey. Would you say that's more a mindset issue than anything else? Like, I think, you know, at the end of the day, if they're coming up with a reason why they can't, would you say that's more of, you know, where their mind is at and, you know, how they're processing things? Yeah, they're probably, I'm, who's kidding who, right? We've all been programmed from a young age, you know, stop doing that. Don't do that. You can't do that. Like the number of times, and I try not to do it with my kids, but we do typically say no more than we say yes, or that's amazing, or you're brilliant, or that's great. Um, so, and even society and school, they're, they're, they all want us to kind of fit in the box. Um unless your kids maybe go to private schooling or something of that nature. We just don't have those options around where I live and we're not willing to move for that. So I, I know the real school starts after school when, when we spend time with our kids, just getting them to think outside the box. Um, my kids literally think that everything in our garage is that we rent it. <laughs> we got some furniture that's there from a furnished rental, big mirror. They're like, dad, are you going to rent that mirror to someone? I'm like, I like how you're thinking. Um, it's actually going to go into furnished rental and they will rent that rental. Um, but yeah, so I think people have just been programmed unfortunately. And the only way you can get out of the being programmed is doing high quality, uh, intense repetitions, right? So you gotta, again, every morning, wake up and feel, fill your mind with some positive material, right? There's so much great stuff on YouTube, so many great podcasts out there. Um, you know, I listen to the Ed Mallets and the Tom Bellews and, you know, impact theory and things of that nature, right? Just because they do amazing work with their guests and they're, they're interviewing some of the best in the world at what they do. Um, so by doing, more, more repetitions and higher intensity. That's how you get results in life in general, right? So that's how you can start to start the unprogramming well, process. And maybe if you say, I can't afford it, maybe they're absolutely, absolutely maxed out, which I've been there too. I've been all in on real estate and on myself. Um, but it's like, I don't have the money yet. Just add an extra word, right? I don't have it yet. And get them thinking a little bit more resourcefully. Like, you know, what could you do to go and get some extra scratch to go put to work for yourself, right? But if you can't invest in yourself, I just don't understand how you're going to go invest in other assets. Um, you can't build you can't build a legacy and an empire on a weak foundation. Yeah, that is so true. And uh, I think what people also don't take into account is you are your first and best asset is yourself, your mind. And so um, you know you have to nurture that. And you have to take care of it. Just no different than you take care of a rental property in order to get the best returns, right? So what would you say yeah. is your, what was your biggest challenge for yourself as you were building your real estate? Was it getting the deals? Was it learning the numbers? Um, did you ever, like, did you ever fail? Maybe let me ask you this. Yeah. What was, what was a failure that you had that <laughs> you're willing to share? <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think too often people are afraid of failing. Right. And uh, I've got a saying that, you know, it's okay to fail. Uh, fail fast, fail often, but tr do your best to fail when the stakes are small. And I usually have a visual. It's like a there's a <laughs> there's a guy in a sports car driving behind a, a person in a truck who's got a bunch of porta potties on the truck, and they're going under an overpass, and the porta potties are too high, so they're going to fall off under the guy into the sports car, right? So you don't want an epic fail, um, you know. But it's okay to do these micro failures. Um, that's how a that's how a spaceship works. That's how an airplane works, right? They're always off off track, but they're always getting back on track. So I guess I've been I've been good, always getting back on track. I've never really broken something, and maybe that just means I'm not I'm not trying to break enough things um, or play on a bigger scale. 
Um, but maybe some of my biggest failures were not um, fostering the relationships as deeply as I could have. I mean, I'm a relationship person anyways. And um, if, if somebody ever does leave the company or moves on or whatever, then maybe it was just could have worked on the relationship a little bit more. Um, not taking enough action on things. I, I wish I would have bought more assets earlier. You know, whatever you think is expensive today, if it's a, if it's a prime asset, you know, I'm, I'm not as disappointed by the cheaper ones or the ones in like, let's say C plus parts of town versus like a neighborhoods where you just know that's going to be like a hold on to it for forever and hand it down to your kids. Um, so yeah, not bought enough and maybe not bought bigger earlier. And I think that's a, that's a very common thing for people, uh, for real estate investors that I hear is that, you know, I wish I would just bought more in the beginning. I wish I would bought more in the beginning. And, um, and I think do, for, for the reasons you mentioned, we just overthink it, you know, and come up with all the reasons why it's not a good idea, why it's not a good time, why we should wait. Um, and I think it's easier to just go with that route to wait a little longer because we want to be in our comfort zone. We want to be in that bubble and then it's easy to justify because everything can be justified. Right. So I think, um, yeah. you know, I, I, not, nothing gets done. And nothing, nothing gets, gets done, done in comfort done. though. Right. I know. I know. So you do have to get uncomfortable. So what would you say to people that are doing that? Like, you know, they have justifiable reasons, like arguable reasons, why wait? I just had a baby. And so they don't want to sink all of their savings into a rental property. Uh, maybe I just lost a job from COVID. Um, so we're down to one income. I mean, there's a thousand decent, really strong, valid reasons why to wait. Uh, what would you tell people out there that are putting it off? What would you tell them why they should just take action and take that, take on that risk. Well, it's interesting. You know, I believe people are addicted to problems and excuses. So it makes us feel better that we have a, well, we're giving ourselves a, a way out, right? Okay. I get it. I understand. Um, I learned at a very young age, it's not about how fast you get things done. Um, I was always competing against kids that were almost a year older than me. If I was born one week later, I would have been, you know, in kindergarten instead of being four years old, I would have been five years old, right? Just hanging out with like older people. But I think it was great because it challenged me um, to always realize that, Hey, it might take me a little bit longer to get there because really I'm, but even if I can chip away at that one year gap, I'll still be much further ahead. Um, so it, you know, and I've, I've run half marathons. I haven't run full marathons, but you don't sprint the whole thing. You can do sprints within the race, but just keep making progress towards the goal. Like I've had to go through all kinds of challenges that I'd never want to wish on someone else right losing family members you know having you know miscarriages you know within the household like just having a property burned down like i was on vacation literally down in uh, scottsdale and like i always turn my phone off at night because I, I don't i don't want my phone ringing late at night um, but i turn the phone on in the morning and all the text messages start coming in uh, Corey, someone should call 911 Corey, i think there's a fire Corey, there is a fire and then the other ones start coming in okay everybody's okay you know it's all solved it's figured out um, so you just have to be, you know, the harder you go into real estate investing, the more you realize you gotta, you gotta solve problems. I just want to make t-shirts that say, I solve problems, um, because that's really what you do. That's what the most successful people <laughs> in the world so do true. is they solve problems or they hire people that can solve the problems and they can just be the air traffic controller. Um, 
and you just got to look at it as another thing, right? Okay, we're going to get through this. We're going to get we're going to going to get on. But if they don't have time, everybody's got time. You're just voting with your minutes every day differently than somebody else. Um, simple simple tip is just literally wake up 20 minutes earlier. Wake up 20 minutes earlier when the house is quiet and just get something done that's going to get you progress towards that next property. Right? Because if we get busy and our days get hijacked and our phones start going off, you know, Will Smith just wrote a book, right? Oprah Winfrey said it's the best biography she's ever read in her life. How did he get through it? He actually went to Dubai on the other side of the world where the time zones are totally opposite. And he was just so productive because like nobody can bug me now. I'm on a totally different different time zone. So if you just wake up a little bit earlier, I mean, have you has anybody ever woken up just because they're well rested at like 5, 530 in the morning and you're like, the world is quiet. You know, I think I'll just read or I'll start hammering away at something. And then by seven o'clock, you're like, I got more done than I usually do most days. Um, I remember I worked one summer of night shift at Kmart when Kmart was still around if people are old enough to remember that. But um, me and my me and my work partner, they'd give us a full workload. We would get it done in half the time because we weren't getting interrupted and distracted by all the customers in the store. So then we'd always rent movies at Blockbuster and watch a couple movies and get paid for it. So um, <laughs> if any of my old bosses are listening, I'm sorry, but um, it's just, it's so important. You can make that excuse, but I'll, we, you know, both I and Daniel will challenge you like, what's really going on? What could you say no to? You know, a lot of people have a to-do list, but do you have a not-do list? Start taking stuff off your plate. Success is actually uh, subtraction, not addition. When you can take some things off your plate that don't make sense anymore, um, whenever I try to have too many income streams, I always come back to the one or two that do the best and keep investing in those ones. So that's a long-winded answer, but hopefully people got some value from it. Oh, there's a ton of things there to unpack. So I I love the so I'm gonna start with the first thing that you the last thing that you mentioned about the you know the not do list. So everybody talks about FOMO right now. FOMO is a big thing. FOMO, FOMO, FOMO. And so somebody in my master now for the for the one listener for the one listener that doesn't know what FOMO is. Go ahead, because you're 100 percent right. You need to let the world know what that is. Say, go ahead. Yeah, well, it's fear of missing out, right? That's right. It's a it's an acronym uh, for fear of missing out, and a lot of people do things that maybe they shouldn't or don't need to do because they have a fear of missing out. And sometimes that's buying a bad property. Um, it could be anything. So if you just have some awareness with uh, with that and how your actions are dictated by the fear of missing out, then you can actually regain some control of your life. So here's, here's what helped me recently. Uh, I'm part of a mastermind called Synergy. And in that group, there's a lady that shared with me that a friend of her shared with her. And this is how your network helps you. Um, and she said to me, my friend does Jomo now. And I'm like, Jomo, what's Jomo? Jomo is an acronym for joy of missing out. And so now there are certain things in my life where I think, you know, I have to do this, I have, but then I go, no, wait a minute, JOMO. And honestly, I practice JOMO now. It's not a thing yet. Maybe we can make it a thing, Corey, but um, it's the joy of missing out. And so it's just changing how you think about it because you can think of a negative and you can think of a positive, but is it, it is impossible to have a negative or, and a positive thought at the same time. So you can choose FOMO or you can choose JOMO and it's just your perception on how you're going to process it. And it has been phenomenal for me. So I just want to, I just wanted to start with that. But one other thing that you mentioned, 
was um, time. You know, everybody has the same time in a day. I mean, that is the one thing that is absolute, right? And so what I would say about that is um, one of my coaches told me, because I time was an excuse that I often had, as many of us have, and I also needed to practice that out of my mind. And so what he said was this. He said, Danielle, um, you always find time for the things that are important to you or that you want to do. So time is never an issue. It's just a matter of whether or not you're willing to do it or you want to do it. And so um, after I had that realization, it's like, okay, I, I need to refigure my priorities because time wasn't the issue. It was my priorities. And so that was, that was a big one for me there too. But, you know, we, we have, yeah, we're, get, we're getting into a lot of psychology stuff here, right? Like it's uh, we talked about people got to be comfortable being uncomfortable, but when you really think about what that actually, actually means, um, we typically tend to resist the things that are more difficult to do. The things that we don't know, like, why do only one in 40,000 people actually write a book? Because it's, it's a lot of time, you know, even if you get ghostwriters and help and editing team, all that sort of stuff, it's a big commitment of time. And, um, you know, you got to make sure you have the, the, the right stories to tell and the right way to do it and everything. But, uh, typically people, what you resist is what's going to continue to persist in your life. If you, if you don't get the book work, uh, bookkeeping done for your taxes, you're probably going to get behind on your taxes, right? You're just, you got to make sure that you are executing on even some of the things you don't like to do. You know that, yes, you're doing 80% of the stuff you love to do. That's your God given blessings and talents, but there's still going to be that 20% of just stuff. You got to get in the weeds. I still take a, the garbage to the curb. I mean, there's still things that you got to do once in a while. You got to not be afraid to roll up your sleeves and get dirty once in a while. So what is so true. And, and you know what? I like, I like the Jomo uh, also say no to the good opportunities. So you can say yes to the great or amazing ones. Every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something better. And that this is true in real estate. It's true in relationships. It's true in business, family, everything. Right. So just really be mindful of what you say yes to, because, you know, we're all high achievers. We like to say yes to a lot of things, um, but you can't. It's like I tell people, it's like, you know, when first week of university uh, clubs week and you go sign up for all the clubs and then you realize that midterms hit and then, oh, crap, I can't commit to any of these clubs I just signed up for because now it's midterms. Right. My number one focus and priority. So just be mindful of what you say yes to. Yeah, you know, that's such a great point. I couldn't agree with you more, Corey, because there's only so much room in your life for so many things. And there's only so much room in your bank account, really, um, for properties. I mean, there are some people that are out there that maybe have a lot of partners that are financial partners and they can they can maybe have deeper pockets. But for the most part, even your network, I tell people, like, I purged out people of my network so that I could let better in, if that makes any sense. That's terrible. That sounds terrible. Um, but that's the oh, reality. It's like, well, you'll, you'll, you'll just outgrow, mm -hmm. you'll outgrow some of mm -hmm. your friends. Like you'll outgrow some of your networks and some of your friendships. There's still like, Hey, if I see people from high school, Hey, we'll maybe go tip a glass once in a while, or I'll still give you the shirt off my back if you ever need help. But I'm hanging out with other people that are doing similar things to me or bigger things than me, just so I can expand what I'm doing and I can leave a massive legacy for not just my family, but generations to, to come. Right. hundred percent. So you said one in 40,000 people write a book. Are you that, are you one of the one or are you one of the 40,000? <laughs> I've also started a book. I started a couple of years ago and it's on my, uh, it's on my list to finish this year. Woohoo! 
this year. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's awesome. I love In it. The next 12 months. Yeah, yeah, I can't wait. I cannot wait to see that. Um, so I'm right there with you, my friend. We'll celebrate together because it is a big undertaking. Um, what else was I going to say? The last thing that I wanted to bring up from, from what you had said that I wanted to unpack is you mentioned about, um, you mentioned about, um, waking up a little earlier, 20 minutes earlier in the morning. So what time does Corey McKinnon wake up in the morning? You know what? I'm, uh, I'm not one of these 5am guys, right? There, there will be times where, Hey, I've woken up lots of times, 4am, whatever, got to catch a flight, got to go get go speak on a stage or whatever it might be, get to an appointment. Um, I like to make sure that I'm well rested enough that I actually don't even like setting alarms, right? So I'm just making sure I'm turning off all the devices and chilling out and winding down so I can hit the sack. And I, I know I know how much sleep I need. I've got three years worth of sleep data. I need six six hours and 51 minutes. Um, so I'm, I'm typically up before seven and, you know, but if there is something that I want to get done, if there's projects and, you know, balls that I got to go push down the road, we're getting up earlier. And it's just that simple, right? Just just wake up a little bit earlier and get the momentum going instead of waking up, turning on your phone and seeing who's messaging you on social media. No, keep it off and go bang out a couple of the emails that you need to do and like still get your workout in, but do that after, right? Like do it before the day starts to wake up. It's such a small commitment. This isn't complicated rocket science. And a lot of people go, oh, if it's just waking up 15 or 20 minutes earlier, maybe I'll wake up 45 minutes earlier, right? You can dial back your clock a little bit and just say no to certain things or just, I mean, go on a writing vacation if you need to lock yourself in an Airbnb and just write, let people know you're not available for a few days. Like just, you got to put in some boundaries, right? Some checks and stops and make sure that people know you're non-negotiables. I legitimately just did that two weeks ago. (laughs) I went to Florida and disappeared for two weeks to write. So now I know why authors leave. And they hide in a cabin because <laughs> I've done it. Um, you know what, Corey? I, I like. I am so happy that you've come on the show to share uh, everything that you shared and the golden nuggets. You know, sleep hygiene is so important. Managing your time, prioritizing your mindset, all of that is so so key to finding success, and especially in real estate. And just doing it. I think the most important thing that you said today is is just do it. Take action. Um, and that really is, I think the biggest challenge for most people out there. And, um, if they need help with taking action, they can reach out to you. Right. So every quarter you do, um, you do training and you do go through an application system, uh, where people apply, you only have so many slots. And so they can go to it's coreymckinnon.com. Is that right? Yeah, that's our website. There's an application on there and, you know, we used to onboard people at almost any time, but we, uh, we, we took on like 70 people last year and I mean, it's, it, it's great. We have very, very high success rate. The only people that don't succeed are the people that don't follow through. Or they don't take any of the, any of the, any of the coaching steps that we, we ask them to do. Right. It's just like school. Like why do people, why do some people get a D and some people get an A they don't show up for class. They don't do any of the assignments they're supposed to do. So it really is like effort in results out. And we are looking to do like a, like a more of a beginner program too, for like, we, we do want to try to appeal to more different types of people. Um, but my, our current offering right now, it's 12 months of coaching for the full year. We just need that much runway to make sure that people are getting really great results, the right foundational training that they need and the right time to execute. So that's what we do. And we got a lot of people signing back for year two and year three. I've had one student that's been working with me for like five years. She's like, I just keep having my best income years ever. So I keep signing back with you. Makes sense, right? I've had some coaches in my well, life for, for six, seven years. 
you know, I'm not going to, they know me already. They know exactly what, what I need and what I need in the coach. It's hard not to buy back in when, you know, it costs you X, but you're making exponentially more, you know, if you're generating a return, that's three, four, 10 times more than what you've invested, then that's an investment. Again, it comes back to what I said, instead of you're not buying a program, you're investing into yourself. And so what's your return on that? Um, Corey, uh, I am just so grateful that you came again, everybody. Uh, for those of you that are listening, thank you so much for jumping back on to the Let's Get Real Estate podcast. If you want to connect with Corey, go to coreymckinnon.com. It's K, not a C, it starts with K-O-R-Y-M-A-C-K-I-N-N-O-N.com. His bio will be on our website at the Let's Get, uh, at Let's Get Real Estate podcast.com. Just uh, go to guest bios tab and then you'll find all his contact information there. Um, his bio, if you want to learn more, reach out to Corey and see how he can help you. And um, if you enjoyed the show today and you find that there was some golden nuggets, I really would appreciate a like so that we can keep this podcast going for you, our audience. And um, again, you can subscribe. That way you don't miss the releases. Um, you'd be the first to know. We'll probably, we're going to send you some, uh, some uh, articles, informational articles and whatnot. And also don't forget to comment. Let me know what you learned. Let me know what you want to hear. Give a shout out to Corey in the comments. Uh, we're here for you to serve you. Again, this is Danielle Chase on Corey. If you have anything to share before we sign off, is there anything you want to put out there to the world, to the universe? I just want to thank you for the opportunity. And, and a lot of people think that they don't do, do things out of fear, you know, everybody still gets nervous, right? But I think you just have to fear less and understand that even the best in the world still get the butterflies and the sweats going and stuff like that. But, you know, you got to say yes to the things that matter. And this was something that I, I wanted to say yes to in a, in a heartbeat. Um, go do the things that excite you and challenge you and push you out of your comfort zone because all, all the blessings and gifts of life, everything that you want is on the other side of that. So, or you can just keep working your day job and just get more of the same. But I'd choose the other. You're making me think of Tony Robbins. Say yes. Say yes. <laughs> so true, though. Say yes, guys. Say yes to you. Say yes to your real estate uh, investing. And say yes to a fulfilled life. Again, this is Danielle Chase on Corey. Thank you so much. This is the Let's Get Real Estate podcast where real people do real estate. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast and congratulations on improving your education real estate. Please leave a review only if you felt we provided value as it would really help us if you would leave a five-star review so that we can help reach a broader audience. And don't forget to comment what you enjoyed and tell us what you're looking to learn more about. As always, thanks for your support and we'll see you on the next episode.